So we're back. Okay. Alright. <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome everybody back to the Build Different Podcast. This is Gold Rush, episode eleven. I've gotten to recover from a very crushing Super Bowl loss. Um, Bill has had some good things going on over there in Miami land. We can't wait to fill you out in on everything, you know, in between. We we got a lot to cover. Bill, why don't you take us through what we're going to cover today? Because um, we got we got a packed uh, schedule today. Absolutely. So breaking down the agenda here, we're first going to just take a deeper look into that really heart-crushing Super Bowl for Tom. Uh, we're going to live it through the eyes of the Eagles fan who is probably donning that jersey for the first time since. But that's quite all right. <laughs> he got that off the spot. <laughs> proud to be an Eagles fan again at some point. So why not today? Uh, we'll recap that. And then we're going to take a deeper dive into both the Chiefs and the Eagles in looking forward. Uh, we're going to go through all 32 teams here during the offseason. We're going to kick us off with the Chiefs and the Eagles. Uh, then we'll take a look at the 49ers and the Bengals a bit later on. Uh, before we do that, we're going to take a look into some of the moves that we really like and some of the moves we really don't like, or lack thereof maybe, uh, during this offseason so far. We're exactly one week into free agency as we're recording this here today. Uh, so we'll take a look at a few moves across the nation uh, that we like the most. We're going to take a look into some hot topics regarding one Mr. Aaron Rodgers, and we're definitely going to dive into this Lamar Jackson nonsense uh, as he still remains without an offer sheet from another team. Uh, but we'll take a look into why that might be and how that could change moving forward to wrap us up. So starting us off, Tom, take me back to that fateful Sunday leading up to the game. Starting off, before anything starts here, how you feeling? Leading up to that game. I mean, leading up to the game, I mean, as you guys know, I predicted the Chiefs. But when your team's in the Super Bowl, your team's in the Super Bowl. So leading up to the game, you know, I'm nervous. that this was. I was way more nervous this game than the, the last Super Bowl that we were in. I think it's because the last Super Bowl we had, we had Nick Foles. There, if we lost, it would have been, you know, it, it would have been okay. Uh, but this time, you know, if we had hands down the best team in the league. So, you know, it was that going up against uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's really trying to be the GOAT here. And I think NFL wants him clearly to be um, up there with Tom Brady when his career is over. We'll dig into that. Uh, but I, I saw it from a mile away, too. Um, I felt like there was almost no way that Patrick Mahomes would lose this game. One way or another, I'm not saying it's rigged. I'm, I didn't say I, I went over this on the last episode. But going into the game, you know, I felt like the Chiefs were going to win, but the Eagles, what a great, beautiful team we had, H-A-D, and uh, it's one for the books. So game kicks off early on. What are we thinking? First quarter. Things are looking okay, right? Things were looking good. I mean, to to give you the whole first half, we went into the to half up, the, I think, like 11 points. Um, th things were looking good. I mean, the Jalen Hurts fumble obviously um, didn't really, you know, help anybody. But, well, it helped the Chiefs, obviously. Uh, the, you know, take it back to that fumble. The, the, only, the only bad play that he made the whole entire game 
um, was was the fumble that, you know, looking back, probably lost us the game. But, uh, you know, in the first half, we, we were winning. We were still winning by 11. Um, it felt good. But, again, in the back of my head, I'm like, that's too much of a of a lead for a good quarterback. Because good quarterbacks, you know, they usually prevail in the second half of Super Bowl games unless you're Peyton Manning. But, yeah, you know, it's it, – it was it was feeling good in the first half, but still, you know that feeling of, you know, this is too too small of a lead. But it was a lead nonetheless. You know, we we if if football was a one half game, we were, we're Super Bowl champions. So yep, unfortunately, <laughs> it's not. Uh, so yeah, twenty four fourteen lead at halftime. Uh, you never really felt like that was going to be enough when you have Mahomes on the other side. You and I were texting about that exactly as it was happening. Um, Hurts looked great. He, he looked like a stud. So Man. I absolutely understand where your head was at. I understand that there's you can't really bank on that continuing throughout an entirety of a Super Bowl until after it happens. But really, like you said, one bad play throughout largely the whole game. Uh, so outside of that, it was just a little bit of magic in the second half. As that magic is happening, what are you thinking? What's going through your mind while Mahomes is really just making it happen? It was exactly um, how I pictured the Super Bowl. It's funny because I made the bet that was exactly it. I said the Eagles were going to win the first half of the game, but the Chiefs were going to end up the winner. Um, also I had, uh, I had Jalen Hurts having a really good game. Um, I had Patrick Mahomes under his passing yards and I had, my mistake was that I put two Chiefs defensive, uh, touchdowns and then I had the Chiefs winning, um, as well, but by 2.5, which they won by exactly three, but with the, with the two defensive touchdowns, I did get it, but the refs called back, like they gave the Eagles another shot. Um, by, by calling the the one misplay by Miles Sanders, I believe it was Miles Sanders, um, they ended up ruling that a complete play rather than a fumble recovery touchdown. But, yeah, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he started, uh, you know, doing his thing. The Chiefs started, you know, they, they started shutting down the Eagles offense outside of, you know, Jalen Hurts was still producing. But um, overall, the Eagles got a little stagnant, um, stopped, you know, overall running the ball. Uh, which, you know, goes back to something that you said on previous podcasts, why stop running the ball at any point in time? Right. Um, but also at the same time, you know, Jalen Hurts came back inside the game and scored eight points on that drive that we needed, which was beautiful. Like Jalen Hurts was just from start to end, it was just a beauty. And then we lost. Um, in my opinion, I don't think that flag should have been called. Uh, yeah, it was holding, but also, too, Patrick Mahomes was basically throwing the ball away. I mean, the ball wasn't even close to his target. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and, and argue with anyone who that says that it was a throwaway because he saw the foul, but it was it was barely, barely, barely holding. I mean, yes, it's holding, but not something that really is seen too much by the naked eye. Um, because even on several angles that they shown on TV, it didn't look like a holding. Besides the one perfect one that they got, where it was obviously uh, holding. But, you know, to stop rambling here, it was a very exciting up-and-down game that I was pretty nervous about. And very sad that it ended like that, because if we didn't get that um, that flag um, and they, they kick a field goal and the Eagles get 
one more chance at, at everything. I think this is probably one of the best Super Bowl games we've ever seen. Win, win or lose from the Eagles, I still would have said, you know, this was a top-tier all-time game. But the Eagles lost to um, the the foul flag there, and it was uh, crushing. It was, it was yeah. very crushing in, in a lot of ways. Tough to go out like that. I do think, ultimately, it was a flag. And when you see a jersey stretch out like that from any yeah. angle, you get it from one angle. If, it, if that's the ref's angle, that's flag, period. And do I think it really impeded his movement? No. Was he going to catch that if he didn't get held? No. But the holding doesn't depend on a catchable ball. It's not pass interference. I wish so. it did. Right, right. And did. and the thing is, it, ultimately, it's a – to tie game at that point still too it's you wanted to have lived to fight another day but remember you're up against Patrick Mahomes overtime isn't really looking like it's in your favor at this point with some momentum either so you really had a lot of opportunity to shut it down beforehand and I think the number one piece of that Eagles team that came up empty for you guys was that defensive line and that hadn't been the case all year this is a historic defensive line that ends up really just not doing anything. I don't even know if Mahomes was pressured during the game, let alone sacked. So uh, really, it's a tough way to go out for that unit specifically. But, man, it's C.J. Gardner-Johnson who had a hell of a year. Sucks. Sucks to go out like that. So feel yeah, free, man. And- you got yeah. to enjoy a great ride. Uh, so, you know, like you have on now, you have a happy face that even though I'm probably about to bring some tears to your eyes, just making you live through that. Uh, you have a happy face in general. You've got the jersey on. Wear it proudly. Eagles had a hell of a year. Uh, I think they really played. Yeah. And, you know, just just some final, you know, quick thoughts. to get up. The defense shit the bed. That, that was another thing, like, when people say, you know, the flag, you know, kind of uh, ruined the whole game. At the same time, it's like if, if our defense just did its job, you know, we still scored 35 points. Yeah, 35 points. Eagles still scored 35 points. Jalen Hurts had a performance that was should go down as one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time. I mean... The, the guy had 304 yards through the air, you know, a touchdown through the air, three rushing touchdowns to go along with 70 yards. Um, he was spreading the ball perfectly, um, you know, amongst his receivers. Uh, you know, Devontae Smith had seven receptions, A.J. Brown six, Dallas Goddard six. Um, he even got four to gain well for, you know, whatever reason. But Jalen Hurts did everything you needed to see. Like, because for me – I was waiting for that one moment where Jalen Hurts was just not going to be Jalen Hurts and it was going to end the whole Eagles season. Instead, he was Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. So for that, I mean, I I love that. I see perfectly and clearly why the Eagles didn't give money to their defense. And I will will, will go into that later. But, man, Jalen Hurts, like, hats off to him. Hats off to the whole – offense for for clicking there because you know Jalen Hurts has shown that now he can he can absolutely carry a team if he needs to I mean again the the eight point play that he made happen all by himself um alone you know he's here 
Um, and he's going to be one of those guys that can win games by himself if he needs to. I mean, four touchdowns, it, it's insane. Yeah. If we had yeah. if we had the defense clicking, we would have been fine. Absolutely. But, and, and just to put a little statistic behind the defense shooting the bed there, uh, the implied total for that game was 27-24, essentially, in, in favor of the Eagles, in favor of the Chiefs. Line moved so much, you couldn't even tell really who – favorite was supposed to be it ended up being the eagles by a couple of points but realistically no team was supposed to score more than 27 eagles getting you 35 points that is supposed to be enough and it's not really supposed to be that close Uh, those totals in the super bowl often pretty spot on so uh, at least on one side for both teams to smash the over uh made for a very exciting game don't get me wrong but not very exciting for uh, the whole defense uh, to have to live through all that Mahomes magic. But uh, like you said, you you actually took the under on Mahomes with the yards too. So they, they shut him down to an extent, but he could find the end zone at will in that second half. So it, it doesn't end up really getting the results that you need. But overall, defense had a hell of a season. So it, you have to chalk it up less on the defense just doing so bad and more just, damn, that guy's really good. Uh, so something you mentioned there, Mahomes, the NFL wants Mahomes to be the next Brady. They they need the face of the league, right? Let's go we ahead. Can't and count on, we can't it. count on Josh Allen. We, we just can't count on that guy. We know that. <laughs> we know that. So ultimately, we have Mahomes here. Do you think he catches Brady? Do you think he has a chance first off, and do you think he does it? Um, it, it's, it's tough because I, I don't, it's, I, I don't know if I can say right now because uh, he's a little more injury prone than people would like to realize. He's battled a lot of injuries so far, whether major or minor or what have you. Um, he's a running quarterback or not, he's not the most mobile quarterback, but he he's uses his legs to extend. <laughs> right, he extends he extends plays through his legs more often than you know Brady, way more often. But uh, I I'm gonna say no for now because Tom Brady again he played till he was 45, um, seven rings. The whole NFL ran literally ran through him, um, as where you know Mahomes the AFC runs through him right now, not necessarily NFL because I mean I also blame the Chiefs a little bit. Um, as to why he hasn't won as much as he has, but at the at the end of the day, it's gonna take a lot. And he's only at this point, he only has two championships and two MVPs, I believe, or does he have three? Ah, uh, that's a great question. Awesome. Yeah, how many ever MVPs he has? Um, the statistics alone that Tom Brady has, it, it's gonna take one of these guys a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, to really catch Tom Brady, um, and it's it's gonna be crazy watching a journey of anyone that that even gets close. And I think Patrick Mahomes, he'll get up there, he'll get close. Um, but we'll see. There's a lot of factors as to why I would say no. Yeah, by all means, uh, it's it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, but Mahomes has two MVPs. Then when you look at Tom Brady. Uh, then he only has three. So it's not that far-fetched from that award. 
uh, then you you got to count Super Bowl MVPs entirely separately, right? But, I, I already think Mahomes is better than Peyton Manning. I mean, he's yeah. That's that's just it, It's hard but, to argue. And if he retired today, he goes down as an all-time great just from his current accolades yeah. alone. And it, it's nuts, but he really is on pace. And I just is, I. He needs I don't a new think, wife, man. Yeah, that that's gonna hold him back. That's a legacy killer right there. <laughs> I mean, her and brother. Uh he needs is it too late to put that kid up for adoption? <laughs> if the, he needs to get a different last name, and I, whatever it takes, just get rid of both of them, and all of a sudden he's a much more <laughs> likable guy. But <laughs> You made a great point. He's not going to be able to play till he's 65 like Brady's about to. Uh, we all know he's coming back. And he is injury prone. Brady was too is the thing. Brady had a lot of these little, you know, yeah. scratches throughout his career, th- playing with a hurt thumb, elbow. I mean, what I really meant to say about Mahomes is just it's a little more consistent. Like, he's a little more yeah. consistently hurt. Because, like, yeah, Brady had his ACL tear, and then he had the, you know, he had a cup, something here, something there. But, like, with Mahomes, I feel like every season he's been hurt. For sure, um, for sure. But at yeah. the end of every year with the, when Brady was with the Patriots, we typically see at the end of the year, oh, last six weeks he's been playing with a separated shoulder or a wrist or yeah. a thumb or, or whatever else, right? So I don't think it's rare for injuries to happen with that frequency. and you're seeing these things. It's not like he's doing it to himself. People are rolling up on his ankle or oh, whatever. Yeah, else. For but sure. it is the nature of the added contact that he takes through being a little bit more mobile than Brady was. So I don't think he lasts until he's 45 just on that stuff alone. But frankly, he doesn't need to at his current pace. So now let's take a look at what the Chiefs have done so far in this offseason. And then let's take a look at what they really need to do uh, in order to get back to the Super Bowl and really win one. So just to recap quick and, and get us up to speed, they've re-signed guard Nick Allegretti. They've signed Jawan Taylor. They've signed Charles Omenahu, linebacker Drew Tranquil, and safety Mike Edwards. But they've lost Orlando Brown, Frank Clark, Juan Thornhill, Juju, Andrew Wiley, Kalen Saunders, Michael Burton, and Chad Henney to retirement goes out uh, riding into the sunset. Uh, what better ending for Chad Henney than that? Uh, so proud of him. Former Dolphin didn't do as much for us as he did in one drive for the Chiefs. But, hey, good for him all the same. So first off, just taking a look at that. Do you feel that the Chiefs have gotten better or worse just through the additions and losses here? I think it's pretty clear that I they've mean, gotten worse. Yeah, I mean, it's clear to me that they've gotten worse because, you know, when when it comes to Patrick Mahomes' health, I one of the things that I was, you know, going to say was, you know, they need, you know, to build their O-line a little bit stronger and just keep, keep it strong. And then they lose one of their best offensive line, uh, linemen. Uh, you know, wide receiver, they don't have much of a wide receiver room to begin with, and then they lose their best wide receiver. Um, arguably the best. I mean, yeah, you, can, you can argue, yeah. Um, so I, I think they've gotten worse because their defense is already, 
I, I think their defense lit up at the right time, which was, you know, in the playoffs. But overall, we nobody says good things about the Chiefs, Chiefs defense. And then their offense is just powered by Mahomes and Kelsey's ability to do their thing. And then Mahomes to just do spectacular things. But, you know, if you really put those wide receivers on the field that they have right now, it's going to, like, Mahomes is going to, like, he's going to lose a leg. Or he's, I don't know. Uh, it would Mahomes is going to have to do something crazy yeah. because Kelsey is going to be double-teamed, triple-teamed. We saw at the end of the season that Kelsey started to deteriorate. I mean, he was just catching the ball and then shoving it back to the guy behind <laughs> him because he had a bad back. I Shit like that is going to happen when and Mahomes is going to blow out his ankle when you don't have the weapons to make it easier for them to. So if they go in with those wide receivers, this is going to be entertaining. Because what did Kadarius Tony become their their best wide receiver? He'd at least be a wide receiver yeah. too, which is insane. Yeah, if you look at what's left on that receiver corps, I didn't even mention they lost Michael Hardman as well. Yeah. Uh, so their wide receiving core right now, they have Marquise Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore. Okay, yeah, that's what I was forgetting. So yeah. those three guys, but you know that they play with four receivers on the field at any given time. It's the, the four spread out. Sometimes they'll use some running backs and stuff, you know, but still, it they don't have another guy on the roster that had more than one catch last year. So – not additions or like practice squad guys, anything. They don't have a single guy that has more than the catch outside of those three wide receivers. So like you said, it's going to be a lot of Kelsey all the same. Uh, that's no matter what they do, but there is still some time to reload. They have the draft. They have some free agents available, some trade targets available. Uh, there are some, I'd like to see him get Odell. Yeah. You know, above it, all else, I'd love for DeAndre Hopkins to pair up. I like I like D Hop a lot. If they make that yeah. trade, damn, I think they're unstoppable. And they can. They they have the draft capital to do so. They do. They do. The the actual salary capital. Well, mm, that's yeah. tougher. But you can always figure something out. And frankly, well, they figured out how to give Patrick Mahomes a ten-year ridiculous ass contract. So they they keep right. figuring it out. Right. Yeah. And realistically, I I don't think Mahomes is that selfish of a guy where he wouldn't restructure a bit if it meant bringing him some actual talent in that wide receiver room. Because as soon as Tyreek Hill left, it's just not been the same, given they won a Super Bowl with it. So they're going to they made it happen. But you can't tell me that that's a handpicked cast from Mahomes. So I think that's what they need to do. They just need to reload. And they lost offensive co- coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who goes to the Commanders as basically a tryout for a head coaching job. He needs to show he can get it done without Mahomes, and that's going to be interesting as well. We'll see how much Bieniemy was really calling those shots. Everyone really thinks that it's uh, all Andy Reid, but Bieniemy's been a big part of this all along. So I think we're going to learn a lot about the Chiefs in the coming season but you know i would like to see them at least give mahomes a respectable target outside of the three that we had just mentioned because Kadarius tony has also proven that health is of a large concern so if he goes down uh then sky Moore and or marquise valdez scaling miss even a single game 
we might be looking back at the the Chiefs right before Dwayne Bow got there, where there wasn't a single wide receiver scoring a touchdown uh, while Alex Smith was quarterbacking for the Chiefs. Yeah. So gonna be interesting in they, Chiefs. Man. They have a lot of holes, man. Like it's it's hard to see uh, unless they have the perfect draft and you know they yeah. figure out free agency. It's hard to see them being as good next year, but. Hey, a lot of a lot of people had doubts on them coming into the season, you know, finishing exactly. fourth and whatever. So exactly, and you can't really dismiss the loss of Frank Clark. He's been a pivotal piece of the of a lot of these championship attempts, let alone the two runs. So Frank Clark's got I either the most or second most sacks in postseason history, I believe. And you let that kind of veteran presence walk. That's tough to replace. You don't really find that any kind of frequently. So I don't really like what's happened in the defensive side of the ball. Certainly don't like what's happened on the offensive side of the ball since that Super Bowl parade. Uh, But, hey, like you said, a lot of people picked a fourth place in their division last year, finished behind the Raiders and the Broncos. So uh, you, you really don't know what they're capable of until they go out and prove it we'll find out now flipping over to the eagles let's take a quick look what have the eagles done uh since that super bowl lost uh they've had a little bit more considerable movement and they at least have some nice spotlights that you can point out whereas chiefs don't have as much so starting off with the key losses i did lose miles sanders javon hargrave tj edwards kaiser white isaac smallow Andre Dillard, Marcus Epps, Gardner Minshew, my boy, DJ Gardner-Johnson, and Zach Pascal. Uh, but they've managed to convince Jason Kelsey to come back for one more year. Uh, they've re-signed Brandon Graham, James Bradbury, Darius Slay, Boston Scott, Fletcher Cox, and Brett Tuff. They've also added Rashad Penny, Marcus Mariota, and Greedy Williams. Overall, do you think the Eagles got better or worse? Um, on paper, I mean, it's, it's obvious anyone could say that we got worse. Um, we lost, uh, two, you know, well, yeah, we lost a couple of big names on defense. Um, you know, on the offensive side, losing Miles Sanders, who just had a, a remarkable season, obviously isn't, you know, what you like to see either. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of fine. I'm kind of fine where, where things are at, um, because again, you know, what it comes down to to win the Super Bowl is exactly what we saw. You can have as much talent as humanly possible, um, but it has to work in the biggest moment for it to actually work. Um, so I think, you know, we kept the key parts that we needed to keep. Um, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was a loss that I wasn't, you know, too happy with since it was only a one-year, $8 million, you know, dollar uh, deal that he got. But, you know, regardless, you know, we, we have the draft capital. We, we have the draft capital. We're most likely going to go safety and get one of the best safeties in the draft um, in the first round. Uh, you know, we still still got a little bit more free agency to get through. I I love um, – what was the running back's name? Rashad Penny coming in. Yeah. I, I love the Rashad Penny getting signed because if we, again, have an amazing offensive line um, and he can stay healthy, he's electric. I mean, we, we see it every time he comes back from these injuries. He's still pretty damn good and pretty lethal with the ball. He just can't stay on the field. So I think, you know, if the Eagles can take care of him, the Eagles were, you know, the healthiest team in the league last year. 
Um, they know how to take care of their players all of a sudden. Um, good offensive line. I think it's perfect for him to pick up where Miles Sanders left off. I think he can even have a better year. But again, it, it depends on him being healthy all the way through, which he hasn't even done yet. So I think we're good. I think we just got to pay Jalen Hurts, give him the contract that he wants, keep him happy, um, get a good slot receiver to play behind our two stars. I'm in behind Goddard. Um, and we we got the cornerback that we needed. I love I love the greedy signing. I, I loved him coming out of college. Hasn't had the best, you know, start to his career, but I think it can easily be revived um, coming to a different team. Um, and we just need to draft our defensive replacements. It's really a lot of people are panicking, but we have the the draft capital to replace who we need to on the defense. Get young, fast guys because um, our defense was young last year too. That's that was big. I mean, we had our veterans. We we kept the veterans, um, but it was it was young, um, and it's just gonna get younger. And we're gonna pay Jalen Hurts, and we're we're gonna we're gonna do what we need to do. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I have a hard time saying you really got that much worse. So I really, yeah. really, really like all three of those signings. It's only three additions, and given there are more losses, so of course it's tough to say you, you get better after that. But it, you get a team that has this much chemistry and you keep some of these really key pieces, which is very hard to do for a Darius team. Slay, for example, team. yeah. Right. These are guys that we didn't really expect you to be able to keep. So Darius Slay, I thought was a goner for sure. But I, I knew that the priority had to be solidifying the trenches. They're able to do that by, A, talking Kelsey to come back for one more year, but also re-signing uh, Brandon Graham and re-signing Fletcher Cox. I think those two moves right there, those two re-signings are bigger than anybody they could have added throughout the entirety of the NFL because that chemistry and just the absolute results that they've commanded uh, on, from that defensive line. So, like you said, plenty of draft capital. They'll be able to figure it out. They'll be able to fill these gaps with at least serviceable players, if not better. They need to get younger too, right? The, this is a pretty experienced defense. But when you keep this level of talent and then you fill in the linebackers behind them uh, to replace TJ Edwards and, and company, you know, they're helped out tremendously by a nice veteran defensive line. So I think they'll be just fine as long as they fill the right spots with their coaching vacancies, which I believe they did. They had offensive coordinator leave to go – Head coach. We coach. might get Matt Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> they had offensive coordinator leave to go uh, to coach the Colts. They had defensive coordinator leave to go coach the Cardinals. That's tough. When you lose both of your coordinators, that's tough. But they had guys on their staff that were being sought after for these same jobs on plenty of other teams. Plenty of very big head coach names were looking for these guys to be their coordinators that they named to be their own coordinators. So I think they do get to just reload on that. And then it, 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 they'll be able to keep a similar system, if not the same system. Right. And Vic Fangio didn't play much of a role for you guys. I'm thrilled that he's Miami dolphin. He was a little bit of an assistant, essentially a special assistant just toward yeah. the end of the year. So some losses on the coaching staff, but from a player standpoint, I think you pretty much wash out once you look at the draft capital that you have and what you're going to be able to do 
during this upcoming draft. So overall, Eagles are going to be fine. I still think they're a lock for at least close to the top of the division and a wild card at hard minimum, but they're going to be in the running for that for a long time. Marcus Mariota, if Jalen gets hurt, he is a much closer fit to Jalen's mold than Gardner Minshew ever was. And I will never say anything that disrespectful about Gardner Minshew ever again, but you get it once. I think Marcus Mariota is a huge upgrade over Gardner Minshew. Like you said, Greedy Williams hasn't played to his potential yet. Put him in a room with Darius Slay and company, and he will be a better player. Uh, James so- Bradbury, Darius Slay. Um, we're probably going to get the best one of one of the best, you know, safety rookies. I'm like, like I said, I mean, like for as bad as this offseason really could have been for the Eagles, I think they've done everything right so far. Again, you know, I feel like with the the deal that Miles Sanders got um, and uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson got, I, def- I definitely do think that we could have easily matched those and that and done better. Um, but you know, the, their replacements, I'm, I'm going to be okay with. Um, so. For as bad as it could have been, you know, we're still in a spot where I'd still safely put us number one um, yeah. in the NFC East. Absolutely. So a team that isn't necessarily climbing to a number one spot, uh, but let's take a dive into teams that we think really improved during the offseason so far. It's really hard not to kick this conversation off with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Chicago coming in holding the number one pick, which they shouldn't have had in the first place. Thank you to the Houston Texans. Yo, how did they just randomly got to this fucking spot? It's crazy. It's impressive. Not in a good way for Houston, but it's impressive that they were able to blow that and give the number one pick to the Bears. But then they go ahead and they flip it to the Panthers. So they're able to flip it for not just the number nine pick, not just the addition of DJ Moore, but they also get an additional number one pick uh, the following year. And they also get like a number 61 pick or something like that. Yep. 61 this year, uh, a first round next year and a second round the year after. Uh, So they just add a ton of capital. Frankly, they still may get their guy. If their guy is Jalen Carter, especially after he shows up extra fat to the combine. So, (laughs) This might be just the absolute swindle of a lifetime for Ryan Poles and the Bears. And they got better, not just there, but they spent money in a lot of the right places too. Uh, So they end up signing uh, TJ Edwards, who we just talked about a little bit. They end up signing Tremaine Edmonds as well. So two of the best, if not the two best, I'll go ahead and say it, the two best linebackers that were on the market for this year. And if you think of historically great Chicago Bears defenses, whether you go all the way back uh, to the 85 Bears or you think about Brian Urlacher, you're going back to Buckus, if you're thinking about Singletary, or if you're more recently thinking about Khalil Mack, no matter what good Bears defense you're thinking about, it really starts with linebackers. And they haven't had it since they let Mack go. So here we are, or well, Roquan Smith for a moment, but that that defense went to shambles as well. Uh, so still reloading here at linebacker. They don't have a lot of talent elsewhere right now, but they have plenty of cap, cap left. They have awesome draft capital all of a sudden, and they're starting to actually load up on some weapons for Justin Fields. 
So they get Deontay Foreman as well. They get uh, Robert Tanyan in there. So now all of a sudden they have DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and uh, Chase Claypool at wide receiver, whereas they essentially had nobody going into the season. Uh, they have Deontay Foreman at running back, which might be a downgrade from David Montgomery, but they still have Khalil Herbert as well. Uh, then in the tight end room, they have Cole Komet and they have Robert Tanya. So suddenly some weapons there. And then they, they're in a great position to do whatever they need to do with the draft. I really like what the Bears have done so far. Job is not done yet. This is at ceiling, maybe an 8-8 eight and eight team right now. But let's reassess that after the draft because I think they could really make a bang there. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what the Bears are doing because they have, like, realistically never been this aggressive. Um, I, I go back to a time where I wish they were this aggressive when they had that Khalil Mack off, uh, defense. Um, they had a really good defense there, and they just didn't they didn't build the team into what it needed to be. They just stayed stagnant. So I like that they're at least trying. You know, welcome back to the NFL, Chicago Bears. It's not... You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, Bears fans, the crazy ass Bears fans are gonna be back. I'm not I'm not opposed to this. I mean, their moves, I don't think their moves are gonna like guarantee them anything, but at the same time, I still think they're good enough moves to give Justin Fields a chance. Um and that that's the biggest thing. Like this year you're gonna get to see it. You know, either they're gonna do really good, because um, they they had they got the first pick, which means they were the worst team in the entire league. So either they're gonna be good enough. Um, and, you know, whatever, you got something in Justin Fields, or you're going to understand that Justin Fields isn't an NFL quarterback and you're going to get to pick high next year um, because, the I mean, the quarterbacks in this class, I wouldn't really, you know, I, I want I to throw away Justin Fields for these quarterbacks in the draft class. And that's, that's all I'll pretty much say about that. So uh, I like what the Bears did. You know, welcome back, Chicago. You know, they they got an A plus for me. You know, let's see, let's see what happens. It's it's heartwarming. Fair enough. Now, what's team that you thought really crushed this whole free agency thing? You know, I'm I'm going with Detroit. I'm going with the Lions. Um, maybe no. that's because I just I'm really trying to see this this Detroit Lions thing through. Um, but. You know, they have, first off, you know, I do I like that they let Jamal Williams go after the amazing season that he just uh, had? Absolutely not. No. But you're you're replacing him with David Montgomery, right? Uh, behind a very solid offensive line. Like, overly solid. It's going to get better. They still have money to spend. They still have a draft to conduct. Like, that offensive line, that entire offense, I think is good. And they still might get DJ Chark back. But if they don't get DJ Chark back, it's going to be okay. Um, so, you know, for me, I really love what they did. They bolstered the the defense, which is one thing that they needed to do. They needed to go after, you know, defense, and I like it. They get, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who is trying to prove himself. Um, so you're now making, you know, that team a little bit more hungrier. I like Cameron Sutton. Um, I, I love David Montgomery. Again, like I just said, I love him behind a good offensive line. Um, he's going to get to eat. He he ate in Chicago. Uh, so, you know, overall, I, I love it. You know, they're, they're really going with Jared Goff, too. Um, I think that was a big thing because the Lions could have just, you know, done whatever, you know, entered into the Aaron Rodgers pool or go after Lamar Jackson. They, they could have, you know, 
trade up for a quarterback, trade Jared Goff, but they're keeping Jared Goff, and Jared Goff's going to reward them next year with a playoff appearance and an MVP, or at least a top three MVP finish. I think we have we have a huge season in store from Detroit. Um, if anything last that happened last year is to be bought into, which I think there's a lot to be bought into. There is there's a reason that when a team is, I think they were one and six to start the year, one and five, but they're still the best offensive team in the league, and then they figure it out and come, you know, one short, you know. One one extra week away from from not reaching where they wanted to reach, I think we can buy into that. And they're doing nothing but improving. So they didn't really need to do a whole lot besides bolster their defense. They did that. Um, they replaced Jamal Williams perfectly. Um, and, you know, there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I You know, it's hard to look at that Jamal Williams loss and still say that I like what the Lions have done. He was more than just the leader in the NFL in touchdowns last year. He was an emotional leader in that locker room. You saw it in hard knocks. And man brought a passion to that team that not many can. It literally makes me sad to not see him in Detroit. (laughs) And I haven't had that happen for a team that's not my own ever before to this level. So it, it sucks on that piece. But like you said, everything else looked very good. And this is a defense that gelled throughout the year. This is a defense that started out historically bad and ends up being pretty good. So to see most of that stay intact, of course, since it was so young, almost didn't have choice to. Uh, There wasn't really anybody up for contract aside from Alex Anzalone, uh, who was a meaningful part of that defense's success late in the year. Uh, But, hey. They got him back. So then you look at the only other real starter that is on their way out in Deshaun Elliott, and you replace him with CJ Gardner-Johnson, who you can't really be too upset about. So overall, yeah, I think the Lions get better here. And the Lions already really had something cooking here. DJ Chark, you know, yeah, I, I think he's talented wide receiver. I, I think there's going to be a team that's very happy to have DJ Chark, and I do hope it is the Detroit Lions. But they don't get him. Guess what? There's some actual talent at wide receiver in this draft, and Lions hold the six and the 18. With two top 20 picks, if you don't have Chark, definitely some and, options available at one or both of those picks. And they just drafted Jameson uh, Williams, who – you know, didn't even get to play the full year, and he's going to come in healthy next to Monra St. Brown, who really took off, and whatever yeah. else they draft. It's going to be beautiful. That's and they got, like they got a good one-two still at running back. So, Right, right. So a lot of sites are, are listing Calvin Ridley as an addition. If Cal, Calvin Ridley, who signed halfway through or got traded halfway through last year, is an addition to the Jaguars, then Jameson Williams might as well be one for the Lions. Because uh, he barely so played. The the- <laughs> right, right. So at, through a considerable chunk of the season, they were the best offense in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to miss Jamal Williams. I, I am worried about the emotional power behind that offense. But you're seeing Goff kind of come into his own as a leader a little bit. And you're yeah. seeing people have faith in Jared Goff, which hasn't happened since he was in college. 
So I think this team has a high ceiling, and, and I think you're right. I, I came into this thinking, when you told me the Lions, I came into it thinking, you know, I don't know about that. But you sold me. I, I'm I'm bored for another year of this Lions stuff. Let's do it. So, yeah, man, and, you know, but I, I, I can't, we can't continue without a, you know, just shout out to Jared Goff, you know, it's back. Shout out to Jared Goff. I, I, I truly can't wait to see what he does. I don't know. It's like, it's like you, like I've never like, cause I'm sure you had that emotional uh, attachment to, to Jamal, but like, for me, it's like, I have this little emotional attachment to the lions for some, whatever fucking reason. I just want to see these guys succeed. It's really Dan badly. It's entirely yeah. Dan Campbell. And then, then they, that's their coach. It's just like yeah. it's it's a whole bunch like a whole bunch of redemption stories just put yeah. into one team and here we go. This right. is this is gonna right. be good. The Detroit yeah. Lions as a franchise is looking to, for redemption. Absolutely. They need it. But uh speaking of bad teams, uh if we're talking about where the Lions came from. What team do you absolutely just not like what they've done so far in this offseason? I don't know what the Los Angeles Rams are even fucking doing anymore, man. Um, it's just they, they've they lost everybody. They've barely gained anybody. Matt Stafford has committed to coming back. Their offensive line is horrible. Their offense I mean, if Cooper Cup plays, their offense is a a B at best. Their defense has fallen apart. They've all gotten old. Aaron Donald, I don't even think he has the same flame anymore. I mean, we kind of he's ta- he's put that he's retired in his Twitter bio, taking it out, putting it back, taking it out. Um, and for whatever reason, you resigned Matt Stafford for or not resigned, but you picked up the two years of his contract. And you let Baker Mayfield just go, go to the Buccaneers. I don't know what they're doing. They've gotten significantly worse. Um, I didn't think it could get worse, and then it just did. Um, and they have no money. They have no draft capital. <laughs> they just, they're just here. And Matthew, Matthew Stafford, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say, you know, he's just going to die on the field. But he's going to get he's gonna get destroyed on the field, man. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah. And if you look at a team whose only addition is Hunter Long, uh, the Miami Dolphins' third-string tight end, the Miami Dolphins, who were not top 20 in tight end production, and their third-string tight end is your only addition for the whole team, you're in trouble. Uh, But I can give you a little bit of explanation as to what they're doing here. And it doesn't look like they're doing a great job at it, but they're offloading salary. Uh, this is a team that really sold their soul to the devil to get a Super Bowl when it worked. So it, it's tough to to really bounce back from that quickly. Right now on paper, they're saving $13 million in cap this year. Losing, hold on, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner, Baker Mayfield, Taylor Rapp, Matt Gay, Nick Scott, Matt Orzek. All that you're only saving for only thirteen million this year, but they're saving over sixty million in 2024 with those removals. So they still have to eat a considerable chunk here, and these are all salaries that were set to inflate. So I, I do understand a little bit. They've gotten some return on some of these guys, so you know they get a little draft capital back where they basically haven't even. I don't even know if they've attended the draft in the past four years. 
So, you know, that'll be new for them. Maybe they'll, as soon as they get some first round picks actually in action again, uh, the, this will be a different experience for the Rams. They're not going to be good this year. And that's really all there is to it. Yeah. Defense has fallen off. Matt Stafford's getting older and, and coming back from an injury. Retirement's not out of the question for him yet. Just saying that he is not officially going to be back until he's on a field with the Rams throwing the ball successfully, which I don't know how well he can do right now. And the Rams don't know how well he can do right now. So not surprised if that ends up being the case, but this is a long-term play uh, one that they have to make because of the, the small little box that they put themselves in. Yeah. Yeah. You're fair. It's definitely fair, but just damn, man. It's just, it's sad to see some of these guys go out because like, it, it, it reminds me of the the Washington Nationals and in, in baseball who just you know they I I want to say they sold their soul to the devil um, but they fell apart very horribly after winning their World Series because they were so old um, but whatever so here's the thing they, let's use that comparison for just a minute because uh, I'm about to ask you a question they fell apart but they still had you know a, a diamond in the rough there who was the best player stick that stuck around after that for a good little while juan soto and where did soto end up doing leaving a little too <laughs> late though right so yeah. can the rams learn from this and trade cooper cup when they're supposed to which is right now or do they hold on to cooper cup and absolutely waste his prime I I mean it, it, it's a pen, like they have to sit here and they have to make a plan for not just this year they have to make a plan for two three years out like realistically like they can't just sit here and say this is what we're doing for 2023 because they have to think about 2024 when they have that cap space when they can make moves again when they have all of their draft picks again I mean this draft they don't have too many high draft picks but they have a lot of draft picks in general and lower rounds they could they could luck out. They can get really lucky through this draft if they keep all the picks. Um, but I think yeah, you gotta get rid of Cooper Cup because if this guy like loses his his flair, he comes back from injury and he's not as good, or you know he comes back, plays good, gets hurt again, you're not gonna get anything out of that. And he legitimately probably should have been MVP over Aaron Rodgers. The first time we could ever call a wide receiver MVP. Um, and I thought it should have been then. But also, you got to trade Matthew Stafford while anyone believes that he can get back on the field again. Because I also thought that by them picking up the two years that they're telling teams that he's healthy, come get him, maybe. Um, but they they got to do they, – they can't – like, if Aaron Donald wants to play more, you got to trade him too. Um, you got you got to get something out of this, or it's going to be very miserable for a very long time, unless you luck out in the draft. But as we've seen in these last three, four, or five drafts, that is hard to do, even when you have the high draft picks. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> the talent's out there. It's just whether or not you can land it, and, and you got to have faith in your front office. You, you got to have faith in your coaches, people evaluating that talent. Uh, but it's hard to have faith when you're really banking on uh, a full round of teams missing in the first round. And frankly, I believe full round of teams has to miss in the second round too. So uh, that's going to be tough. Uh, but 
there is one team that has actually added less than just Hunter Long throughout this offseason. There is one team that the Rams are significantly ahead of by grabbing that Hunter Long. And that's the Baltimore Ravens who literally haven't added anybody at all. Uh, so if you look at the Ravens, uh, they with literally no additions at all, the re-signings are just Trayvon Mullen at safety, Justice Hill at running back, and Geno Stone at safety. Um, don't even know if these are really going to be impact players in the coming year. And their whole offseason hinges on one thing. And it's getting Lamar Jackson back in a Ravens uniform, which we really don't know right now if that's going to happen. So I want to say that this is a terrible, terrible offseason for the Ravens. And I think it's the worst. But there's a chance they come out of this as winners. So I don't hate the tag that they put on Lamar. The non-exclusive tag is important because negotiations have not gone well with Lamar since they started. And Lamar being his own agent, uh, you know, there's no like behind closed doors in good faith meetings with an agent that they can bank on. It's just straight up talks between the front office and Lamar that just have not progressed. And the emotion of the player that you see on the field is the emotion of the player that's behind those negotiation meetings as well. Uh, so if this guy just doesn't like what the Ravens are offering him, this is their way of saying, let's take a look at what everybody else wants to give you. But it's not that simple. There are teams that have come out and completely declared that they're not interested in this. And then the other ones just aren't throwing in offers right now, or at least not ones that we see because Lamar hasn't agreed to it. I'm going to take a deeper dive into that. But first, I want your thoughts. Overall, Ravens offseason, what do you think? I I hate it. I mean, just give Lamar his money and keep moving, man. Like, you got – like, the Ravens almost went on a playoff run on that defense alone. Um, because if if they would have gotten by the, the Bengals, they almost certainly would have gotten by the Bills based on how the Bills played. Um, and how the Bills weren't able to pick up on anything worth anything to beat the Bengals. They didn't pick up on anything. Um, I'm not saying they would have beaten the Chiefs, but it could very well have been a case where the Ravens are fighting to go to the Super Bowl um, on Huntley and just a really good, really good defense. And, and that's that's kind of the, the sad part. It's like you guys aren't willing to give Lamar Jackson what he wants, but you're willing to pause and put everything on hold for for Lamar Jackson when you're still you know struggling on deciding if you want to give him the money or not because if you're going to sit here and struggle on giving you know him the money use the money to to bolster the team while you got a shot because this defense is a really fucking good one of the best defenses in the whole league and you're about to just sit here and not give Lamar his money but also not do anything either so I don't understand what they're doing. I, I really don't. Lamar deserves the money, and that's a conversation we're about to have. Um, but it's whether or not the Ravens will give it to him. Yeah. Um, because I, I think the moment that him and the Ravens are done negotiating, I think teams are going to pounce. But I think they're waiting to see, you know, how much the Ravens are actually willing to offer him before another team jumps the gun and, 
gives Lamar everything, what every penny of what he wants. Right, right. So that's the thing. You're going to see uh, negotiating in general is tough. If we find that the Ravens are currently offering, I, I believe the most recent offer that I've heard about was three years, $140 million with about 120 of that guaranteed. That's a lot of, a lot of money, but it's a three-year contract. It's only guaranteed money over the course of three years. It's $40 million guaranteed over the course of those three years, each of those three years, but still only three years, whereas Deshaun Watson ends up securing a five-year contract. I think what's tough for Lamar to look past is that Deshaun Watson contract is an absolute anomaly that is only in existence because Cleveland Browns are the most garbage franchise to ever exist. And Cleveland Browns are going to do Browns things for as long as they're around. So you can't really look at that as the new standard. And just like you're not going to look at the Daniel Jones contract as the new standard, which but that's the thing is like that Daniel Jones contract followed um, in a couple. Yeah. I mean, it followed, but it didn't I, have all that guaranteed money. It's incentive laden. Right. It's, it's, it's a good solid spot, but you'd know Lamar wouldn't agree to that contract. It's not even close to Lamar territory. So there is a happy media. And Lamar will set the standard whenever he gets a contract. He will get a contract. But here's the problem. They put this non-exclusive tag on him. That means, just to get everybody up to speed, that any team can make an offer. If Lamar accepts that offer, they would need to trade two first-round picks to the Ravens to get Lamar in return. In addition, the Ravens have a chance to match that offer. And then they he would not go to that team. He stays with the Ravens just by matching, not by outbidding. So not only do you have to give up two first rounders, but you also have to give up enough money where the Ravens can't match. Because if they do match, then you're all of a sudden publicly announcing to not only the world, but to your team and to the quarterback who ends up starting, he's your little silver medal. And you wanted Lamar all along, and you didn't get him. So, hey, now we've got you, and we're so happy about it, and you're going to do great. Nobody wants to be put in that situation. So you can't really blame teams for not jumping on this because they want to see what their other options are first. Absolutely. I could see it happen on draft night. I could see it happen right after the draft. If a team goes through the draft and doesn't get what they wanted, if their guy goes a little earlier than they expected him to, or they tried to trade up and just couldn't do it, I could see it happening. But I don't really see it happening any sooner. And meanwhile, Ravens are hanging on the clothesline out to dry without being able to spend a dollar elsewhere uh, because they need to figure out what they're going to do here. Tough spot. Real tough spot and not rough. a good look. It's it's rough. I mean, uh, but Lamar Jackson, he deserves the money. I, I'm just gonna go out and say, if he goes to a good enough team, he will bring a Super Bowl to that team. Um, you know, I mean, some can argue that he probably could have and should have brought a Super Bowl to the Ravens. Um, but what was what was he gonna risk his health for this year? Um, you know, to to the Ravens that have been literally dicking him along 
for the last yeah. two years straight, why would he go and put his health and body on the line for them when we he gets to wait for his money this offseason? Because like you said, one way or another, Lamar Jackson is not going to walk into next season as a free agent, and there's almost a certainty he's not going to walk into next season underpaid. So either which way, I, he's an MVP talent. He's broken everything that anyone has ever put on him. Like they said, he was just a running back. He wasn't going to have success. Listen, I don't care if he doesn't win another playoff game again. Lamar Jackson is a generational talent that we'll be talking about for years. Um, obviously, you would want him to win a Super Bowl if your team gets him. But um, he he deserves better than this. Um, but I also think it was... It's both Lamar's fault and the Ravens' fault because, as you just beautifully explained, the Ravens put themselves in a corner, um, but also Lamar not having an agent to help him through this mess um, and at the same time just, you know, being as loud as he is on Twitter, um, so outspoken. I mean, I can see why some teams don't want to talk to him. Um, So I think they both just put themselves in a corner, and it's going to be a funny little – you know, one one's gonna break a little, you know, hole in their door. Like, you know, hey, you right, want to talk? Right. I, I, yep. I'm ready to talk. Like, <laughs> you There's know, just gonna be a note sliding under the door. That, they're not even gonna right. do that much. But yeah, and, and just some additional points as to why it's gonna be hard for another team to offer up so damn much for Lamar. Again, two first plus an exorbitant amount of money for a guy that is pretty injury prone, honestly. And, and, you know, he can take a hit pretty well, but it's the non-contact stuff and, and these lingering injuries and the inability to fight through some of it, whether it's based on his actual being too hurt to play or by him not wanting to push through it, who the hell says he's going to want to push through it under your contract? Well, this is this is he wants to do that. So it's tough for somebody to really go all in on this guy. And he is asking not for you to just go all in in a way that you go all in for any other quarterback. He wants it at a level that nobody has seen before. So just tough. And I don't know if he's going to get exactly what he wants. Well, here here's what I'm thinking. Like if I'm the team that's interested in him and he's interested in back, and you guys come to a conclusion of a contract, I would look at at it as as Lamar preserved his body for this. Like, Lamar has – he's preserved his body to get through the phase of his career that he needed to get through. I mean, yeah, there's been two season-ending injuries that he's had where I think the timing of it and the media coverage of it and how non-serious the injuries actually were – I think he definitely would play through those on the team that has the confidence and the faith to give them all the money, to give them, you know, the two draft picks. I I personally think that's the way I see it. You know, if I'm, let's say, I don't know, well, well, give me a team that that could sign him because I don't – his market has been so quiet. The one I like for him to go to is Washington Commanders with Eric Bieniemy. Right. So for for the commanders, I'm sitting here looking at as, you know, Lamar has preserved his body and has preserved his career to this point so that we can then get him and protect him and get him everything that he needs. I mean, I know it's the commanders at the end of the day. You know, they're they're not good at getting anybody what they need. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's Lamar's preserved himself for this. He's 110% healthy. 
he sat through two minor injuries that could have turned major if he played through them. Um, and again, I mean, I still feel like he could have played last year, but he didn't. He preserved himself for this. I think he's fully healthy, still an amazing football player. I think he should get whatever he wants and whatever team gets him. I think they're going to be amazed at what he's going to do because he'll fight through those injuries now that he got his money. Because now, now there's nothing to preserve himself for. It's it's going to be all in. And we'll, maybe we'll see Lamar Jackson not have legs in like three years. But fuck it. That's the thing, man. <laughs> it's it's tough to say. I don't know who he is as a person. And nobody outside of himself knows. It's him and his agent that know his willingness to play through injury. Uh, so, it you know, it's tough. And I don't know how much heart he has and that's not a knock it's just the fact that we don't know so he could have more than anybody else but also a great business mind and looking to make sure he gets paid and secures generational wealth for him and his family moving forward can't knock him for it but we'll see i i'm looking forward to seeing exactly what happens because he will end up getting hurt and it's, it's hopefully minor stuff but i'm intrigued to see if he's willing to play through it. I'm just saying he's had enough heart to listen. He wasn't drafted where he was supposed to be. He was caught. He was by, he was slaughtered by the media. Then no one gave him a chance. That. Um, that's it. He had, he had enough heart to fight through all that and win an MVP and be one of the best players we've ever seen. So I think he has enough heart to, you know, play after he gets his money, but we'll definitely see. Right. Yeah, we we'll we know he can play through hurt feelings. We'll see if he can play through a hurt ankle. But so let's uh, let's move to another polarizing quarterback, and then we can give like you know our our top thoughts of uh, free agency. Yep. Aaron Rodgers. So to go from this this sad situation that's going on with you know Lamar, we get some comedy, we get some humor. We, we get this beautiful situation where Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, comes out of his darkness retreat and wants to play for the Jets. And it's the funniest shit ever because it's the New York Jets and it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, take me through your thoughts on all of this because to me, it's complete comedy and I'm loving yeah. it. So there are a number of different ways this can break down and <laughs> some are significantly funnier than others. Oh, first off, this guy who... I, <laughs> This is great. This guy who has hated playing for the Packers over the past several years uh, hates every direction this organization has been going in since they drafted <laughs> Jordan Love. Hates that they don't put weapons around him. Goes into a cave thinking he's going to retire and emerges on the other side of that cave <laughs> knowing that to be a new as a New York Jet. <laughs> it's unreal. But not only does he want to play as a New York Jet, he wants, he wants to play all the weapons he didn't have in, in Green Bay. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is as confused as the rest of us, I promise. And it's impressive, but <laughs> there is absolutely a working theory here that he is just looking to get the jets to sign all these packers get his boys paid uh and 
just kind of screw over Woody Johnson of Johnson and Johnson of a certain immunization fame. So who knows really what this guy's mindset is right now. I don't know what was going on in that cave, but Hey, if he ends up going to the jets, the jets outlook is obviously very good. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is what he once was in terms of quarterback. I don't think he is MVP caliber at this point. He's not far separated from it, but I just don't think it's entirely him. I think there was a lot of coaching involved in making him what he was more recently, right? So you go over to the Jets, who don't really have a whole lot. They have Nathaniel Hackett, of course, which we saw how that went last year. But, you you know, he's got a good working relationship with Hackett. He'll do fine. But he doesn't need to do much more than fine with the Jets. With that defense that they have and some of the talent around him, they have a team that can be feared uh, with a serviceable quarterback. And he is well above serviceable for sure. So if he ends up getting traded, that's going to be fun to watch for Jets fans. But the Packers get to hold him hostage here. Uh, He has really dragged them through the mud recently. So I want to see the Packers hang on to him for as long as possible. I want them, if they're going to trade him, to trade him like three days before week one just to really mess with the Jets. But I don't even know what's going to happen. So, Tom, over to you. I I mean, like, like I said, I, I mean, I've been a huge critic of Aaron Rodgers over the past few years with this situation and just honestly has redeemed him in my eyes because it's just one of the I, – I love when funny shit – you know me, I love when funny shit happens. I was rooting for the Raiders. I was hoping Jimmy G got his shit together for the 49. Just anything that's just funny to me, I just I just love. Um, and, and, like, this whole Aaron Rodgers thing, you know, do I think the Jets will be good if they get him? Probably. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is not Aaron Rodgers anymore. As much as anyone can say he doesn't let the media affect him, He's turned into a man that goes on darkness retreats, who just takes shrooms for the fucking hell of it and is so open and loud about it. Um, his hair, his beard, just nothing looks, you know, Aaron Rodgers-esque anyway. He's a completely different man than what he was, like, you know, six to ten years ago. Um, it, the media, the Packers, whatever have you, either which way, he's not good in the playoffs anymore. Um, he's not that scary comeback from any deficit man that he was anymore. Um, even then, that stat was so overrated because, you know, like five of those teams he made comebacks against were actually good teams and the rest were just hot garbage. So you'd expect that from a good quarterback anyway. Um, but, or yeah, I just, it's, yeah, it's just, it's funny. It's, it's a good story. You know, it's it, it's the New York Jets. The Jets have constantly been funny. And then you got Aaron Rodgers, who's constantly funny. It, it might actually be a match made in heaven, and they win the Super Bowl, and it's just the biggest meme ever, or it'll be typical Jets and typical Aaron Rodgers bullshit, and they go down together, and Zach Wilson gets the final laugh when he learns everything. Well, I, I don't know. That's just If Zach Wilson learns anything from Aaron Rodgers, that'd be horrible. But... I want to yeah. see Aaron Rodgers versus Adam Schefter on a Jake Paul undercard in the near future. Uh, so I could, <laughs> I could see something like that happening. I, 
who knows? I think New York's is going to absolutely destroy this man. And listen, at this point, kind of here for it. So uh, <laughs> let's see what happens. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to bring a lot of entertainment, if nothing else. So I do expect it to happen, realistically. Uh, but I, I don't know. And nobody does. So, and that's what really keeps it interesting. A lot of uncertainty to talk about in a, in a show that we try to share news. Uh, the lack thereof here is nothing but entertainment. Uh, so we'll share that too. And I'm just happy to share that too. So on to the actual news. <laughs> Give us a couple other moves that we're, we're, we're going to talk about all the teams. And ultimately we'd, we'd circle back to this stuff being that, it is very relevant right now. A lot of lot of signings over the past week, over the first week of free agency, pretty much 80% of what NFL ranked as the top 100 free agents have found their homes. Uh, so what are other, a couple of other ones that you really like that happened so far? I mean, I'll, I'm going to let you uh, take the first, you know, couple players that you really liked. I'm going to focus in on a couple of teams, right? First off, the Denver Bronco, the, the the Denver Broncos, the collection of moves that they were able to make, I love. Crazy. You know, Sean Payton, you know, comes in and immediately figures out the solution um, to what could have been a huge disaster, dumpster juice mess of a team. He's kind of moved some pieces around. He's gotten some big free agents. Um, you know, I, I really love what they've done over there so far. Um, so Sean Payton, you know, this is exactly what I said may happen. I, I don't want to say that I, I called the future or anything, but I said, you know, Sean Payton is smart. He picked this team for a reason. He has a vision. I think Russell Wilson got his reality check. He's probably sitting there, you know, and, you know, maybe he's on a darkness retreat and he's just not loud about it, but he should go to a darkness retreat. If there's anyone that needs one, it's him. Um, and he's going to come out of that darkness retreat and be a better man. And I think the Broncos are going to be a threat next year. Um, they they definitely have a very stacked team over there, especially after the free agency and whatever little they do with the draft. But the second team that I really want to shout out that not a lot of people are talking about is the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, they, they've lost a couple of guys, but in, instead of just, you know, going with a full rebuild, which a lot of people may have thought was coming, they get talent. They get Jesse Bates, you know, Tyler Henneke, you know, back up to Sam Howell, most likely. But wait, no, Sam Howell's on the commanders, right? Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Hold on. For whatever reason, my apologies. Fuck the Falcons, because for some reason I thought they had Sam Howell when I was thinking of this. One second. <laughs> now I need to pick somebody else. No, um, you, can, you can say the same thing with Desmond Ritter and say might be Desmond Ritter, might be Heineke. We'll, we'll see what what that looks like, uh, but moving on from Mariota and really looking to find their guy in either one of these places or maybe with the number eight pick of the draft. Yeah, and, you know, with, with the Falcons, you know, they're not they, – they see they see blood in the water. You know, the, the Panthers, they put a really random team together um, that depending on the quarterback that they get in the draft, um, if they keep that pick um, – you know, it's going to be depending fully solely on that because they now they have a team around that quarterback that's very random, um, but it's still hit or miss. The Saints, 
yeah, they got Derek Carr. They got Michael Thomas coming back. I still don't believe in what the Saints have going out on the field next year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the Buccaneers got Baker Mayfield and not much else. So, um, you know, with that all being said, I, I like what the Falcons did. They didn't give up. They got it. They're loading themselves with talent. They got good draft picks. Pitts is going to come back healthy. It, a lot of it's going to depend on Desmond Ritter, but they got Tyler uh, Taylor Henneke, who almost made the fucking playoffs this year. Um, on a team that had Carson Wentz starting for more than half of the season. So I, I like it. I like what Atlanta's doing. Yeah, yeah. I, big big props to Atlanta. Uh, like you said, it was kind of unexpected for them to be this aggressive, but they made some excellent moves. And really, if you hone in on just the two moves from the Broncos, uh, two huge offensive line upgrades, I, McGlinchey's big. So, you know, that that's – it's interesting, and, and Sean Payton is not going to take long to really turn some things around. So I, I do like what's happened there in Denver, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll still be cheering against them for as long as Russell Wilson's there, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. So, uh, yeah, it, it, if I'm taking a look at a few players particularly that I like, uh, players that I think are going to have a huge impact. First and foremost, Homer pick, Jalen Ramsey, man. I, I – didn't expect the Dolphins to be in the running for this as soon as I saw Jalen Ramsey was looking to be traded. And then I realized that that's the only place Jalen Ramsey wanted to be traded. Uh, so he took a hometown discount as if this is where he's played his whole career. Uh, apparently took less money here than he would have taken anywhere else. And he puts out a hype video today that has my blood flowing. So if you haven't seen it yet, Definitely check out Jalen Ramsey's Twitter. Uh, a little fins up with a five where the S is supposed to be. I, I love it. Uh, I'm on board with Jalen Ramsey signing 100%. Really solidifies the backfield where we now have Damian Howard, Jalen Ramsey on opposite sides of the field. Undrafted free agent from last year, Cater Kohu, who ends up being one of the best undrafted free agents across the NFL last year and really playing some impactful snaps for us. Doing a great job with Javon Holland and Brandon Jones back at safety, plus grabbing Sean Elliott. It's going to be an awesome, awesome secondary, uh, which should really allow the the front seven to do whatever they need to do. Uh, so love that signing. Brandon Cooks to the Cowboys. Uh, opposite of CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks is going to be great. He's had to be the number one guy on a really bad team for a little while now. and there aren't many players that have had six 1000 yard seasons. Brandon cooks is in pretty rare company here. So especially recently. So Brandon cooks, who still has a lot of gas left in the tank, uh, it ends up bringing some veteran presence to a pretty young Cowboys offense. All of a sudden uh, where Dak's kind of the old man. Uh, and now Brandon cooks gives you a little bit extra veteran presence uh, with Schultz gone, with, um, you know, with Zeke, Zeke gone. Yeah. It, it's tough to have that young of a squad really gel without it. So I, I think that's a huge move. Another piece that I don't want to like, but I really do, is Damian Harris to the Bills. This man can run very well uh, if he can stay healthy. So obviously wish health upon anybody and everybody in the NFL. Uh, but I, I don't hope for what I, I know he's capable of 
running for the Bills. Uh, this is the best running bet they've had in a while and gives James Cook a little time, time to develop. I think Harris should be the RB1 there. Uh, so we'll see. I think that backfield just got a whole lot more talented with the loss of Devin Singletary in Damian Harris. Yeah. And I, I want to I wanna give a quick shout out too before I, I forget. You know, the, the Texans, one hell of a job that they've done. Um, I know, you know, you lose, you know, Brandon Cooks, you know, your top receiver, and that's no such, but they are bolstering that team. They are spending money like their money is running out, and it's not even close to running out yet. And they have the number two and the number 12 picks. So the Texans are on to something here. Um, I think if they they get a quarterback in this draft that's redeemable, they have a shot at being decent this year. Um, and with, you know, the the new direction that this franchise is headed in, um, the head coach that they hired, they they got a lot of wholesomeness all of a sudden after a very ugly chapter in their franchise. So, you know, I, I love it. I love they it's it feels like they haven't done anything wrong yet. Um after this whole, you know, Lovey Smith and everything is now finally done and Deshaun Watson uh, Deshaun Watson's out and um, you know, JJ Watts retired and you know there's nothing really to look back on for the Texans anymore. It's all it's all forward. So shout out to them. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about the coaching hire previously, but D'Amico Ryan's is gonna be a great fit. And I really don't question that in the slightest. Like you said, they're spending, they're spending, they're spending right now with plenty of spending left to do. Uh restructured Larry Mutunzel. When you have that much cap space and not that many players that actually want to go play for the Texans right now, what do you do? You secure your young talent. You spend as much as you can up front. You front load the hell out of that salary to really set yourself up nicely. They're doing a great job. They're doing the right things the right way. Uh, so hopefully they are able to turn it around. Don't see it being Davis Mills, but guess what? Carolina's going to pick somebody, and there's still going to be some talent left at quarterback. I could see them taking a shot on a, a longer shot guy like Anthony Richardson, and you know that something like that could pay off. We'll talk draft plenty in the coming weeks uh, leading up to the draft, especially. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to land a quarterback. They could even trade down and still get a quarterback and be a better team for it. So looking forward to what they do. Overall, really, really great job by Texas. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I'm not really overhyping Brandon Cooks yet. Because I want to see, I want to see how the Cowboys are going to do their their run game uh, this year. Because I think their run game led to the success that they they got on the offensive end this year. I can confidently say that. Because um, that that Zeke and Pollard uh, duo was disgusting, um, and now Pollard's going to be coming back from an injury. Um, no Zeke, um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see um, how they do. And then Dak Prescott is very injury prone all of a sudden the last three years so Great. we'll see i mean I, I could just be the hater in me talking but i don't know i love brandon cooks i just hate that he went to the Cowboys. same with stefan and stefan gilmore i just hate that they went to the cowboys yeah yeah you know it's the one piece that could go to the cowboys uh that i think is interesting just a quick update stefan diggs has removed all bills material from mm. his social media okay here we are so he joined Stephon his brother Diggs in Dallas. So, you know, 
really unhappy with how things ended in Buffalo. I think that really throws a wrench in the tire. If they lose Diggs, I think the Bills is are done. I I, I don't think they come back from that. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll we'll at least get to see like really what Josh Allen is capable of. Yeah, um, it would definitely be that. But I don't. I ultimately don't think Diggs leaves. Diggs loves it in Buffalo. I think he's just. He has a real salty taste left in his mouth, but the one thing that I wish he would do um, is put that to use and just come back next year in Buffalo and just do your damn thing. Um, He's tried that, man. He's been that guy that stays on the field and watches the winning team celebrate. I've seen it The last, like, three years in a row. (laughs) Yeah, and this year, that wasn't it. He's done with that. And, you know, now we get angry, Stefan, which, hey, maybe that ends up being even better. But... We'll see. But if you, but if you You're think right. leaving, like if you leave Buffalo, like where, like what situation are you really going to go to that's going to be better? I mean, um, I could see like maybe the, the a team, like a realistic team that would get them. Because I mean, obviously you could say something like going to the Chiefs or going to the Bengals or going to the Eagles or, you know, something like that would be, you know, a better spot. Near. But like those teams won't trade for them. So. We damn near opened this episode saying the Chiefs need to reload a wide receiver. So we'll see, man. I I don't think that would happen. But uh, if it does, you heard it here first. So uh, moving on, (laughs) uh, let's wrap up here with taking a look at two more teams that don't have all that much work to do. So this shouldn't take too long at all. Uh, Taking a look over at the 49ers uh, who end up in the NFC Championship uh, really falling apart due to Brock Purdy's arm falling off. Uh, they There was a lot of activity, uh, obviously losing Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think the team is by default better for that. So they did lose Mike McGlinchey, who I mentioned is a strong offensive lineman, so that is an unfortunate loss for them. Uh, they lost Samson Ebukam, Aziz Al-Shahir, Emmanuel Mosley, Charles Menahu, Jimmy Ward, Hassan Ridgeway, and Daniel Brunskill. Plenty of losses, but they did sign Javon Hargrave, which is huge. That's a huge, huge get for that defensive line. They definitely get better there. They got cornerback Isaiah Oliver. They get Sam Darnold, which is great depth at at quarterback. I think Sam Darnold is better than Jimmy G, and I'm not trolling when I say that. And they get Clellan Farrell from the Raiders, who I think is, is somebody that could get revived in the right scheme. Uh, so he ha- he showed some promise at times to the Raiders, uh, just not as often as you'd like. Did re-sign Jake Brendel, Kevin Givens, Tayshawn Gibson, Ty McGill. Overall, Tom, would you say you think the 49ers got better or worse after those moves? Um, you know, realistically, uh, the one thing that I feel um, is that they – God, how do I put that? They need a fucking – they need to stop – they need to stop dicking around and get the quarterback that is going to – deliver this team a championship it's so frustrating to watch this team um, because they have one of the most loaded teams of all time and they've had this team or the same kind of team for several years in a row now Um, but the one thing that has been missing has been a quarterback um, which which sucks um, because you know yeah Jimmy G but but everyone trashed Jimmy G I mean I know I'm like a a closet Jimmy G fan or whatever anyone wants to call me because I support Jimmy G in some very weird times. But Jimmy G wasn't the guy. Brock Purdy's not going to be the guy. Trey Lance isn't the guy. Sam Darnold sure as hell isn't the fucking guy. 
at what point are you going to stop betting on luck? And are you going to just go get what you need, which is literally just a quarterback? Because Christian McCaffrey that you just got, he's getting older. There's going to be a point in time where he's not Christian McCaffrey anymore. And a lot of people thought that was going to be um, the season that we just had. You know, Debo Samuel, he's going to eventually start declining. Um, you know, George Kittle has already started to decline. The defense is getting older. You're not going to, like, these people are going to start demanding money. Um, you know, I don't understand how they don't sell their soul for either Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers and just go for it. I mean, you, you've done all these moves to put yourself in this spot where you're one of the best teams in the NFL, you know, hands down. But you're just not gonna get the. You're gonna you're gonna take your chance at either Brock Purdy coming back and being you know anything close to what he was, which we don't know if that was flash lightning in a bottle, or if maybe Brock Purdy's actually a good quarterback. We don't know. Trey Lance, we don't know. He's a good raw talent, but that's exactly what he is—a raw talent, someone that you're not really gonna trust with this team. And then Sam Darnold. I guess, you know, Sam Darnold, I guess he's a cool quarterback, but is a cool quarterback going to win you a Super Bowl? No. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, that's how I feel about the 49ers. Sorry for the long rant. But, that's fine, man. Yeah. That's fine. So to answer the question that I don't think got an answer during that rant, was, I don't think the 49ers did get better or worse yeah, than that. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think they got better. I mean, I don't think they necessarily – need to do too much. I just feel very passionately that they need the quarterback that's going to get yeah. them to the promised land. You made a ton of valid points there. And and really, I do think Darnold, this is the best set of weapons he's had in his career here. There's no question about it. Yeah. You look at any of his stops, he just didn't have anything around him serviceable like this. And he didn't have serviceable. Now he has greatness. I'm intrigued as to what Sam Darnold can do with that. And I think this is the most Jets thing ever to see a guy they draft to go on and win a Super Bowl with a team like the Niners. So I'm not shocked if Sam Darnold ends up really running away with his job. Uh, so it is Trey Lance's to lose is my real opinion here. And I think they'll give him a short leash, but still, I think it, it's gotta be Trey Lance at first. He's got the highest ceiling, but Sam Darnold, I do think has a tremendously high floor as does Brock Purdy. So realistically, I don't think they can go too wrong. But like you said, is it enough to get the job done? They've been tremendously lucky all this talent without having to pay as much as they really should be for some of these people that are on the team. So for them to have this great of a roster for this long is unheard of. Props to Kyle Shanahan for really building up players. But still, it, the luck runs out eventually. Uh, and it's not quite luck if you can't keep three or four quarterbacks healthy uh, over the course of a season. So whatever it is, it's going to run out eventually. But yeah, the ticking time bomb is going to either lead to a Super Bowl with a good quarterback or disaster at, at some point. So we'll find out there. Moving over to the Bengals uh, to wrap us up here. Uh, so the Bengals this offseason, so far, they did sign Orlando Brown. Uh, they signed Cody Ford. They signed Nick Scott. They've re-signed Michael Thomas, Jermaine Pratt, Trent Taylor, Travion Williams. Uh, their losses include Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Samaj P. Ryan, Hayden Hurst, and Eli Apple. 
just want a quick shout out. I'm so happy that Eli Apple is actually still showing as available, uh, meaning nobody likes Eli Apple, uh, which makes my heart smile. But yes. overall, uh, what do you think happens here? Addition of Orlando Brown is obviously great, but definitely lost some talent. Think the Bengals got better or worse? Um, I think it's it's in the middle. It's kind of how I feel like with the 49ers. Um, I, I like the Orlando Brown signing, but you need more than just him. Um, I know they're, they're, they're going to do it. Um, I hope so. The Bengals, like if it's just not one of the most obvious thing, it's like the most obvious thing in the NFL is that you got to get an offensive line for this team. And this team might just win three of the next five Super Bowls. They have the the perfect team put together right now. They have a great defense. Well, not great. They got a good defense that can easily be improved, you know, by either veterans coming in or them drafting. But you got a beautiful, beautiful offense. You got the the pieces at your receiving core. You got your quarterback. You're probably going to have to replace Joe Mixon. <laughs> but um, it's you got to get an offensive line. Joe Burrow's the man. He's the guy. He went into to snowy Buffalo and he came out a winner. I mean, it, it's it's impressive. I mean, he came a couple of bad ref calls from beating Patrick Mahomes again. Um, you just get an offensive line. It, that it, that's going to be the difference between an A and an F. I think right now it's in the middle because it's not over yet. But if they don't continue to bolster this offensive line, I'm giving them an F. If they do, I give them an A plus. Because I think that's literally the difference between will Joe Burrow be a champion in Cincinnati or will he go and get it somewhere else? Yeah, I, you know, I, I like where you're at with a lot of this. Uh, so the thing is, I think the Joe Mixon piece is going to be an important piece of this offseason as to whether or not yeah. he's able to play in the upcoming year. I think the piece that the Bengals are missing right now is the running game. Uh, they didn't have any thousand yard rushers last year. Frankly, I, I think they in total, including Joe, Joe Burrow's 250 yards rushing might have rushed from 1500 yards overall, uh, which is not what you're looking to end up totaling across several talented running backs with Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon included. Uh, and, you know, the running game just wasn't there. The quarterback was beat up. Again, so you go out and sign Orlando Brown. He had to be your priority. I, I think that might have been their guy, the one that they really wanted. The guy with Super Bowl experience now, a guy that's, you know, had some ups and downs, but clearly talented. That's a huge get, but they let Samaj P. Ryan walk. You don't know if you have Mixon, and the only running back you bring in is Travion Williams. You got to do better than that. And there's plenty of running backs that were out there or are out there even. But you miss out on Foreman. You miss out on Jamal Williams. You miss out on Miles Sanders. These are guys that could have brought that offense up. Whereas now I see the the talent on the offensive playmakers go down here. Don't know how much longer they have left with all three of the receivers with Boyd Higgins and, of course, Chase. So I don't know. I don't know where this offense is really going. I don't know if Orlando Brown really makes it as much better as they needed it 
to be. And then they'd certainly lose out on the back end. So I, I do think this team gets a little bit worse here. Uh, not tremendously. It's something that they can overcome just by continuing to grow their what they already have. But overall, I don't see the Bengals really maintaining this unless they get continuous steps up from what they already have. So uh, that wraps us up. Really, uh, any closing thoughts uh, as we move a little further into the offseason? Um, the Raiders are at it again, you know, doing stupid shit. Um, that's just that, that's just a headline that you just need to know. Every, every second of every day, you can just trust that the Raiders are doing some dumb shit. Um, now they got Jimmy Garoppolo at, at the lead. Um, if you thought that the Raiders couldn't get more, you know, Raider-ish, they let Derek Carr go and replace him with Jimmy G. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, if the Raiders end up starting the season good, you're going to see me, you know, really rooting aggressively for the Raiders to do something because you guys know me. I'm a big believer in the memes. Uh, so uh, that's my the closing take there. Oh, and also I, I think there's a Giants. The Giants are stupid for committing to Daniel Jones, but that, that can be a topic for another podcast. Um, but that, that's really all I got, Bill. Yeah. I, so I like the Giants moves, if I'm being honest. We'll talk plenty of Giants <laughs> coming up. They did exactly as I said in the previous episode. Signed Jones, tagged Barkley. Uh, maintained that piece of the offense, which are the only two good pieces so got a decent little core. Uh, a lot of work still needs to be done. Uh, my bold prediction uh, as we take off here, Colts, who signed Shane Steichen off of the uh, offensive staff of the Eagles, recently grabbed Gardner Minshew. Yeah, you're going. We might have magic. Minshew Mania might be back in action, baby. That If it happens. But there's, just no, there's just no Jeff Saturday. Because, like, can you imagine a team with Jeff Saturday and Gardner Minshew? That would have been nuts. It's not too late. It's not too late. That staff can still fill out. If we get Saturday back as, hey, maybe a center, uh, who knows? <laughs> oh, we'll see what happens in Colts land. But this wraps up another episode, episode 11 in the books. Big thank you to all our listeners out there. Appreciate you sticking through us during our little time off after the Super Bowl as Tom collected himself as we collected our thoughts about the offseason. Uh, but we're back at it, and we'll be back at it for the whole off season, essentially uh, we're going to break down every team. So if we didn't get your favorite team today, uh, then stay tuned. It will come up. Yes. So make sure you guys like subscribe, share. Um, we got, we got a lot coming. Um, I know we took some time off, but there's still a lot of amazing stuff that we got in store for you guys. Um, and we, we appreciate all the love, you know, we're growing. You guys are growing with us. So we love it. So thank you. Appreciate you guys and have a good night.